Financial fraud. What are some of the common schemes that financial institutions are wrestling with, and what solutions are they trying? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about fraud today with Patrick Higgins, the Director of Solution Consulting with ACI Worldwide Americas, and Andy Morris, Solutions Lead with ACI Worldwide EMEA. Patrick, Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Very good. Now, Andy, I've got a few questions for you and Patrick. I'd like to come back and pick up some topics with you as well. First question, Andy. I realize that the FFIEC authentication guidance mandates are a consideration for those in the banking industry in the U.S., but what about in other geographies such as Canada or those in Europe? Can you tell us a bit how financial institutions, and EMEA especially, can benefit from this online banking fraud management program when FFIEC is not a significant compliance concern there? Yeah, banks in the region um, do take the threat of fraud and cybercrime very seriously. Um, as an industry, we take responsibility and have responsibility for protecting and maintaining the stability of the payment mechanisms customers use today. We've witnessed in many countries in the EMEA region that they take a layered approach uh, to wire online and fraud threats without the necessity of regulatory encouragement. Institutions and banks have adopted authentication, verification and challenge response strategies largely on a voluntary basis without regulatory intervention. Two-factor authentication has largely been adopted based upon the card authentication program, what we know as CAP technology, which piggybacks the introduction of chip and pin. This same technology has provided banks with an out-of-band authentication tool and single-time password tool for logon and sign their transactions. This has enabled banks in the region to repurpose both technology investments for card payments but also utilise payment authentication engines such as ACI's Base24 system. Underpinning this framework is transaction monitoring, helping to identify abnormal activity. In addition, corporate customers have signing and access permissions around the individual corporate employee's role. Trustee Rapport also provides additional authentication techniques to strengthen the communication between the customer and the bank when initiating the payment. However, there are some regional exceptions to voluntary compliance. Turkey is one example where regulators have asked institutions and banks to apply mandatory standards in respect of authentication and transaction monitoring techniques. I would, in summary, say that there is a collective responsibility to conform and a necessity to adopt best practice amongst the banks. No one wants to be the slowest animal in the jungle. Andy, we all know that fraud in general is a huge concern, but what specifically do you find to be the biggest concern for Internet banking fraud? That's a very good question, Tom. Um, and I think there's several different aspects that I need to explore here. These include payment initiation. There are multiple choices now in respect of how the customer initiates a transaction. These include any device that has a browser feature. So banks are now dealing with payment initiation, not just from a PC, laptop, but a tablet or mobile device. Device authentication and profiling is a major headache. Liking what we to do today for online to how we would traditionally transact using a checking account, a checkbook and pen. There really is no comparison. The other factor here to consider is social engineering. Customer ignorance 
and customer education are important. Some customers cannot help themselves and contribute to the loss. I will try and explain this point a little bit further. False URLs, basically corporate impersonation, the criminal creates a URL and website that closely resembles the bank's own website, tricking the customer into thinking they are dealing with a bank. Keyloggers, Trojans, malware such as the Zeus, Cilon and now the Tilon virus also help to perpetrate many of the browser attacks. The Forks virus that also plagued Facebook is now purporting to make a return. The point I'm trying to make here, it is really hard to legislate what customers watch and what material they actually download. Antivirus software offers some level of protection, but again, customer education and responsibility are important factors here. And I'd like to ask you specifically about wholesale fraud. Why is this a growing challenge for institutions? Well, we're certainly hearing more and more about cybercrime threats within the news. In April, the New York Times published an article suggesting that it was going to rise to up to $1 trillion. Uh, we've also seen in the UK um, the head of one uh, um, institution for online and fraud security jailed for a $2.4 million fraud. In July, there was also some articles published um, in respect of an Iranian fraud that involved $2.6 billion uh, um, and that the individuals that perpetrated that crime were actually sentenced sentence to death. So there are examples of fraud threats that we have out in the public domain today. But let me uh, come uh, right up to date. Yesterday, the FBI published a bulletin around wire fraud involving transfers between 400 and 900K. Earlier in the year, they published and warned US citizens about romance fraud attempts involving wire transfers to Australia and Malaysia. The activists, or hacktivists, such as the group Anonymous, are also making threats to the payment industry. So we have definitely have a lot of chatter. The bottom line is fraud is a growing problem, whether you label it fraud, financial crime, or cybercrime, which incidentally I define as traditional fraud, modus operandi, used to perpetrate today through a computer, tablet, or mobile device, or across the internet. Okay, so what are the challenges that, that we face? They can go back as far as 2000. We've seen some regulatory changes take place. Take Reg, uh, Reg E, for example, the delivery of new processes that electronified check payments so that they could be captured and processed as ACH transactions. Let's also not fool ourselves. Wire uh, fraud is not something new. Wire fraud has always been a fraud threat, but electronification and consumer demand for more speedy and convenient payment methods has made the growth in the volume of payments higher today and has raised challenges in respect of how we authenticate, verify these payments. Previously, these types of fraud were mitigated through in-branch initiation, ID verification, signature verification and customer callback strategies. The fraudsters have to diversify and look for new techniques to perpetrate their crime. This has included compromising and extracting customer logon data and passwords through social engineering techniques. We are what we now describe as phishing, phishing, and mission, and farming. False URLs, Trojans, malware, and key logging software are also making it possible to steal the customer's identity or trick the customer into thinking they are communicating with the bank. Not all banks or regions have been as quick to educate customers about the fraud threats from transaction, transacting online. 
this has made it arguably more difficult for the force to become because the industry has delivered a recipe of change which the fraudster has been motivated and quick to exploit. Well, Andy, you've done a good job laying out the challenges, and I like how you brought in some compelling information from events and incidents that we've seen. Let me ask you about these incidents. What has the industry learned about wholesale fraud from everything you've outlined for us? From my perspective, it's more complex and sophisticated. Um, So we've seen advanced fee fraud, what the industry would refer to as 419 scams, and what were earlier labelled as ghost money um, attempts. Times have actually moved on. We're now looking at boiler room fraud, so there's an additional dimension here as well. But electronification has made it much more simpler and convenient for the customer to transact. And this has been circumnavigated um, by the fraud stuff. Typically, banks now see the majority of fraud initiating on the online channel. Authentication has been proven to be not enough. Fraudster is actually targeting the small and medium-sized organisations. We're recognising that cross-channel fraud is very important, in particular of wire and ACH payments. The number of incidences of wholesale fraud are really low. The average loss is significantly high. The amount of time it takes to react is significantly lower. There are reduced opportunities to recover the funds. These involve indemnities, and where payments are made across international borders, it becomes more complex and more difficult. We also recognise, both as an industry and law enforcement, that the fraudster does not work within geographical boundaries. Law enforcement is taken advantage of by the fraudster here. Patrick, I want to bring you back into the conversation. You've listened to a lot of what we've discussed here. What do you find to be some of the unique challenges of managing fraud, specifically in a wire transfer environment? Thanks, Tom. And to, to Andy's point, you know, on the on the wire side, especially for both wholesale and retail banking, one of the biggest challenges is it's such a rewarding environment for the fraudster. You know, these are typically high value uh, payments, and settlement is is final and irrevocable. So you take into account that that payment is changing, and a, and a great example of that is in the UK, the faster payments which has effectively reduced the settlement time of these payments from three days to almost real time. So while the, the customer is benefiting from a faster payment and a faster payment to the beneficiary, it's also creating uh, a challenge in terms of detection and recovery for the financial institution. Patrick, can fraud controls be managed through the mechanisms that are used to originate a wire transfer? Absolutely. There are some there are some good controls out there. And when you think of of wire transfer, there's so many different uh, places where a wire can be originated. And that can include branch or an online banking system, files transferred directly to the financial institution, and even uh, phone and, and IVR initiation. Um, the convenience really has to be there for, for the client. Now, there are securities... It, in place around all of those initiation mechanisms, but the fraudster still has the capability to find the weakest point within a financial institution. So being able to put in a a programmatic type approach where you can detect uh, expected behavior and expected initiation channels of your clients becomes more and more important. 
and then layering that detection approach across some of the mechanisms that might already be in place. Andy, I want to go into another direction entirely. Uh, given everything we've talked about here, from your perspective, how has fraud management changed in financial institutions? Let's face it, from my perspective, it's um, a bit of an arms race. Uh, banks are proactively trying to address fraud um, and have more been doing this more aggressively. Techniques will vary depending on budgets and the bank's fraud risk appetite. Some of this is reactive and some of this is proactive, but it's designed with three key principles. One, to detect, two, to deter, and three, to disrupt the criminal. Key to this includes real-time monitoring. Fraud control is another exception in the end-to-end payment processing chain. Near real-time and batch processing are no longer in vogue. Speed is now becoming essential in fighting fraud. Some banks have also partnered with antivirus software vendors to provide free antivirus software. Profiling, both device and customer, are also frequently used. The former is more invasive and seeks to authenticate the customer based upon device, operating system and version. Two-factor authentication, out-of-band authentication and challenge response initiatives, something you hold, such as a token, and something you know, also add to deterrence available today. Third-party intelligence is also used to help supplement detection techniques, whether IP address or geolocation, to help further qualify exceptions in or out. Enterprise alert management or enterprise fraud management also provide another layer of contribution. Signature is no longer the preferred method of authentication. We are already seeing the emergence of biometric technology at ATM locations. Welcome to the 21st century. Patrick, I want to take up a topic with you and just some context first. Sanctions processing has always been a fundamental component of wire transfer processing, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, whether you call it OFAC screening, filter filtering, sanctions checking, or stop checking, it needs to be a fundamental part of, of wire processing and has been. Okay, so that said, what's different in this space and has it evolved in the same way as fraud has? It, it absolutely has. Um, there's been an increased focus on, on this type of compliance, and if you you know, just look at some, some recent headlines without mentioning any financial institutions, there have been... Uh, penalties of over half a billion dollars and in individual penalties. You know, similar to, to fraud, sanctions has become uh, more challenging to manage. The restrictions from a regulatory perspective have increased. They're, they're more stringent. You're seeing larger fines. And the fraudsters and those seeking to, to game the system have advanced their methods and, and are quickly finding the, the weak links in, in, in this type of filtering. So, Patrick, what does a financial institution do to improve its sanctions management? Yeah, that's a, it's a real challenge for financial institutions because it's, it's a real balancing act. It's a, it's a matter of managing the need to review these transactions effectively while maintaining a, a good uh, customer experience and efficient processing environment. So one of the, one of the key elements is, is the ability to reduce the number of false positives. And by that, I mean those transactions that require special review but are, are actually valid transactions. So financial institutions really need to strike the right balance 
with the software they put in place to manage the filtering, and then they also have to make sure that those solutions meet regulator expectations um, in regards to patterns matching the specific entities to whether it's specially designated nations um, or it's uh, you know other other lists that are that are available. They really need to balance the solutions they use with their processing and with the ability to look at, at these false positives. So you're seeing techniques such as fuzzy logic or fuzzy matching and other type of techniques to support um, processing in, in this environment. Andy, I want to bring the conversation back to you. Again, we've talked about so many different types of threats and challenges for financial organizations. How are the institutions actually fighting back? What do you see? Okay, um, I think it's important that we need to recognise that in order to measure success, um, we need to have some um, qualitative metrics around that. So uh, in terms of measuring how successful or otherwise institutions have been, uh, we've only started measuring online fraud threats um, since about the um, 2004. Then they stored, and this is I'm talking specifically for the, the UK here, um, then they stood at 12.2 million. Um, we've seen them rise up until in 2009 to just under 60 million, and these are sterling figures. Um, they now today stand at 35.4 million, um, and we've seen a fall by 24% uh, in the previous year's losses. So as an industry, we are beginning to do a good job in tackling online fraud threats and wire fraud threats. And I want to put those losses into context. Today, for a card fraud losses, stand at 341 million. Um, but it is important that as an industry, we do not remain complacent. Um, and let me be specific here. We give you another statistic. The number of phishing attempts continue to rise year on year. Um, we had 61,000 reported phishing attempts um, in 2010. In 2011, we've seen that rise to 111,000. So the fight is certainly not over. And I think it's important that we recognize that to be successful, we have to employ a variety of different techniques to fight fraud. The proverbial silver bullet isn't there. So defenses, from my perspective, include customer education, real-time, analytics, authentication, tokens, two-factor, transactional limits and controls, IP address, geolocation, challenge response initiatives. I mean, the list is pretty endless, um, but certainly I think it's, as I say, it's not one silver bullet. It's a combination of um, uh, different techniques to, to mitigate the threat. Patrick, earlier Andy spoke about the FFIEC guides. I'd like to ask you about it as well. What recommendations has ACI released to your customers in your industry related to FFIEC conformance? Thanks. That, that's a great question. You know, for, for the ACI customers, we've really stepped back and, and taken a look at the entire environment, not just the FFIEC mandates. And what I mean by that is we're really in an, an environment where liability is shifting. So uh, financial institutions are becoming responsible for these online fraud attacks at their client sites. You know, you're seeing um, attack protocols change on a, on a daily or even weekly basis where 
you know, some of the original uh, Z-Bot type of attacks like Zeus and, and others are quickly morphing into, uh, into different types of attacks and very targeted types of attacks. So what we've done for our clients, and especially in our um, ACI on-demand environment, which is a, a hosted online banking environment where we'll host the, uh, we'll host the online banking solution, is we've, we've offered a, a, a layered approach that leverages ACI's best practices uh, from across the globe. And the idea is to, to leverage some of the uh, detection and anti-fraud techniques that are within the, the core payment processing and, and online banking software, and then layer on top of that the ability to profile and, and write rules and understand expected customer behavior. The FFIC mandates mention many different types of techniques, but really when you boil down what they're looking for, it's to understand and know what your customer's expected behavior may be. And being able to monitor and profile and, and know that expected behavior and alert on it when it's, uh, when it's out, of, uh, out of typical behavior. Now, within that, we, we leverage several techniques, whether it's using um, advanced analytical models, using advanced profiling techniques, looking at uh, items such as, uh, you know, some of the session information, such as IP and, and, and other session information. And the idea is to really put a layered approach in place that understands expected behavior and can alert that financial institution when something is uh, out of the norm. We've got time here for a question for each of you. And, Patrick, I'd like to follow up. You brought up some specific products in this, this answer you just gave me. Drawing from that, what would financial institutions benefit most from with this online fraud management expertise? You know, it's, it's really being able to work with, uh, with a, a single vendor um, that's providing both the, the payment and online banking platform as well as the fraud solution. And there are advantages to that because the, the roadmaps are aligned, the data structures are understood, um, the, the fraud experience and payment experience of ACI across the globe drives uh, significant advantages. And when you think about detecting fraud, and, and, and you know, especially in the online or, or even the wire environment, it really comes down to, to three concerns. It's, you know, how will I get that data into the fraud system? Do I have the techniques and capabilities to detect the type of attacks I'm experiencing? And will the system be able to quickly alert me and let me stop the transaction within its path? So putting seamless protection uh, into your environment is extremely important. And, you know, the combination of ACI's enterprise banker with proactive risk manager allows that to be seamless, allows the, the response to be in real time, and creates a, a greater defense against these fraudulent type of activities. And Andy, final question for you. We've discussed online best practices. What are some of these that you suggest to financial institutions so that they can better secure their online banking environments? Um, I think to understand the threat, you need to measure it. So once you've measured it, then you can actually start to understand how that's um, hurting your organization. Um, then I think you need to carry out the risk assessments. And um, what we're looking for there 
is designed defences that you know disrupt, detect, and deter the criminal. Um, because you don't want to be impacted by financial crime, you want to be driving it away from your organisation. Um, the important thing I'd leave you with is about protecting the customer, protecting the customer's available balance, and you need to work with the right software vendor that's going to, that you can trust in to be able to deliver uh, that suite of products uh, for your into your organisation. Well said, Andy, Patrick. I want to thank you both for your time and your insight today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We've been talking about fraud and financial services. I've been talking with Patrick Higgins and Andy Morris with ACI Worldwide. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.